Well, good morning. So every year for the past nine years, I have been able to participate in what is called the gauntlet. It is a four-mile mud obstacle course that I absolutely love. And if you would like to join me, this is the last year that they're going to do it. So it's only four miles, and there's only about 25 obstacles, and there's only a little bit of mud, but it's a great time. But every year I do this, and every year there's this obstacle there that is called Pegatron. And it is this pegboard that goes horizontal. So a pegboard is you got all these little two-inch holes drilled in it all the way across it. And you have these little pegs, and you're supposed to stab them without, stab them, poke into the hole, the pegs, without having your legs touching the ground, and you got to work your way across. There's like a 14% success rate on that one. I am the 86% that has failed it every single year that I've done it. And so this being the very last year to ever be able to do it, I have put in my mind, I am not going to fail. This is my last chance for redemption. So I have built a pegboard in my shed. I have decided I'm going to start running. So I ran one time this year so far. I've decided I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to work out a little bit harder. I am going to prepare myself for the gauntlet because this is my last chance. And so I see the importance of it to me. A lot of you are probably like, run? No, not happening. To me, this is something that for nine years I have failed over and over. And each year I say the exact same thing. I'm going to get it next year. And for eight consecutive years, that has been a lie and I'm done being a liar. So ask me after September and I'll probably still be a liar because I haven't sacrificed that much. But the thing is, is that for this I'm willing to make sacrifices. I mean, I've ran, I've ate healthier. I am trying to be in the best shape that I can be. For you all, you're probably like, that's not even worth a sacrifice. Like I have tried giving up donuts and the thought of giving up donuts for some of you is not even worth it in itself. But what I want to point out is all of us have something that we are willing to sacrifice for. All of us sacrifice, some of you sacrifice for your careers. Some of you sacrifice for your family. Some of you sacrifice to have the nice things. Some of you sacrifice to be the best at some activity. Whatever it is, every single one of us sees something in life that we are saying that is important to me. And so therefore, I'm willing to give things up for it. I'm willing to seek after it and be the best that I can be for that. And what Jesus is gonna show us today in our passage is that there is one thing that we are called to sacrifice everything for. So we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 13 as we're continuing on. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has this section where he is sharing parables and they're all to do with the kingdom of heaven. And there's two short ones in there that we're really going to focus on. This is Matthew chapter 14, 13, starting in verse 44 through 46. They're two very similar parables. And so we'll open up reading this, open in prayer, and then we'll dive in. So Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes, sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. 
Father God, we just come before you this morning. And God, as we've seen what you've paid for us to be in right relationship with you, God, I just pray that now as we hear from your word, God, let it be your word that is spoken. And God, just really dig into our hearts so that we can see if there be any area that we are not fully surrendered to you as you speak to us this morning. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this, amen. So we're gonna open up a little different this morning. We're gonna have an auction. And so imagine that money is no like limit for you. Say you're like Elon Musk and you've got like billions upon billions of dollars. And so we're gonna auction off some of these items and go ahead, you can tell the person next to you if you want your top dollar that you would be willing to pay for these items. So the first one, Pete, if you wanna throw it up on the screen, this is actually an art piece. It actually was on display as a piece of art. How much money would you pay for a banana duct tape to the wall? If you want, you can go ahead and share with somebody next to you. If not, um, that's fine. Remember, money is no limit for you. So, I mean, you can go all the way up into the billions if you want, $1 billion. Somebody actually paid $120,000 for that. I mean, I could do that. Somebody paid $120,000 for a banana duct tape to the wall. All right, next up, we have a lock of hair. Now, this is not just any hair. I didn't cut my hair and put it in there because that's priceless if we're being honest. Um, But no, a lock of hair, it is Elvis Presley's hair, just so you know. How much money would you spend to have a strand of Elvis Presley's hair? Again, this actually went to auction and somebody paid $115,000 to have a piece of Elvis Presley's hair. All right, the third one coming up. We have a three foot tall, just for uh, height reference, that is three feet tall, stainless steel rabbit. That one sold at auction for $91 million. $91 million somebody paid for that, which is kind of cool, but I'm not paying that for that. All right, we got two more. We got a comic book, but it's not just any comic book. That is the very first Superman comic book. So you know it's going to be a little more valuable already because it's the very first Superman comic book. What would you give for that? There was somebody that decided to pay $2.5 million for that. And then the last one, we have a rug. It's red and it's leafy. It is called the Clark Sickle Leaf Carpet. And it sold for a whopping $33.5 million. Now, I just got a question for you all. Even if you were billionaires, Like we were saying, money's not a limit. Did you come even close to any of those values? Honesty time, you're in church. How many of you actually spent more on it? Nobody? Hey, we got one. All right, there you go. You know value. But yeah, even if I had like all this money and you were like, hey, this is Elvis Presley's hair and you could have it for a hundred grand, I'd be like, no, like I'm buying me a nice car. I want something that's a little better than that. But the reason that I show you that is because Somebody is valuing 
those things at a ridiculously high price, like $91 million for a stainless steel rabbit. So how do you know what its value is? Well, if you ask me, I'm going to say that hair, throw it in the trash. I don't even care if it's Elvis Presley's. I don't want it. But the way that you know the value of something is what somebody is willing to pay for that thing. That's how you know what its true value is. And so you know how much you value something by what you're really willing to pay for it. That if you're not willing to pay that much for something, you don't see its value. If you're, I mean, people will, uh, I bought a boat one time and then I sold that boat, but I put a high value on it and then I realized my value was a little wrong on what I spent for that boat. But people are spending tons of money on so many things, tons of their time. Value is not just based on price, but it's also on time and on what we're willing to sacrifice. So now let's go back to our parables, where Jesus is sharing that this man went into a field and he found a treasure in that field. He covered it up, went and sold all that he had, came back, bought the field, and then went away rejoicing. And then another man was in search for a pearl. He found it, went and sold all that he had, came back and bought that pearl. They see value in it. How much is their value? Did you notice it in both of those passages in verse 44 and 46? It said they sold everything. They saw the treasure and the pearl was worth selling all that they had to go after this. Now, why is it that you would be willing to sell everything? Because you realize that what you are receiving is far more important, far more valuable than what you have. That you're saying, I will make this transaction because what I am going to receive is in incredibly more worth than what I am giving. And so that's what we're seeing this morning. Because as we look at this parable, there are two interpretations that we're going to look at. Both are showing the value that the person is placing on the other thing. And so the first interpretation that we have is that Jesus is the man. Jesus is the man and the merchant. Jesus is the one who found the treasure and said, you know what, I'm going to spend everything. I'm going to go and sell all that I have so that I can gain this treasure and that we are the treasure. That Jesus is the man. We are the treasure. We are the pearl. Because this is exactly what the gospel is. Jesus sacrificed everything to gain us. He paid it all. There's a song about that. Jesus paid it all so that we could be with him. This is what Philippians 2 tells us about Jesus. Look at all the things that Philippians, Paul tells us in Philippians, Jesus sacrificed so that we could be with him. First off, we're going to see he left the glory of heaven and he took on the brokenness of man. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so he's up there in heaven. He was there at the creation. He was there in the beginning. And he has had heaven as his throne, earth as his footstool. He has all the glory, all the angels, all the saints are singing holy, holy, holy. And he says, I'm going to leave this 
and I'm gonna go take on the brokenness of man. I'm gonna bear their sickness. I'm gonna bear their shame. I'm gonna bear their scorn. I'm gonna bear the humiliation, the pain. I'm gonna take on their brokenness. He continues on by showing us that Jesus left his king status and took on the role of a servant. Verse seven, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. He was God. He was in equality with God. He was reigning with God. And he said, I'm gonna go. And I'm not gonna go with trumpets blaring. I'm not gonna go command, or I'm not gonna go enforcing my way, which is what a lot of people were expecting. But instead I'm gonna go and I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna wash their feet. I'm gonna love those who are unlovable. I'm gonna touch the lepers. I'm gonna heal the blind. I'm going not to be served, but to serve. He gave up his kingly status to come and take on the role of a servant. He also left all his glory and took on humility. Again, he left king and all the glory and all the pomp and circumstance, and he came in a humble form as an infant. This is verse eight, being found in human form, he humbled himself, not just by being born into this life as an infant, not just by not having a grand welcoming, but he became obedient to the point of death. He humbled himself so much that he said, I'm gonna bear their iniquities. I'm gonna bear the pain and the suffering and I'm going to become like them. He left all that. He made the sacrifice. And lastly, it wasn't just any death. Remember, heaven was his throne, but he took on the cross. He left the throne room of God to come and take on the most excruciating form of, of torture and death that the Romans who were like skilled at this stuff could think of. Verse eight, he says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Like it's one thing to come like what I wanna go as like in my sleep, and I just wake up one morning in heaven, go to sleep, wake up in eternity. That's how I wanna go. But Jesus said, I'm gonna go and I'm not gonna have this peaceful death. I'm gonna take on the most excruciating death known to man at this time. Isaiah 53 verse five tells us that he took on our shame so that we could have his glory. It, it's the great exchange of Jesus coming and bearing our suffering, bearing our pain. And yet we just considered him stricken. We did not even esteem him at all. And so he gave up everything. Look at the sacrifice that Jesus made. He gave it all up. He paid the ultimate price so that he could be with us. And now there's, there's this kind of hesitancy whenever you start talking about this because as human beings, pride can puff us up. And it's like, oh yeah, Jesus, he gave his life because I'm something super special. And it's like, no, we're not. Because we reject him. That's it, Isaiah 53 tells us that. We reject him. We mock him, we ridicule him, we deny him, we turn our backs on him all the time. And yet Romans chapter five, verse eight says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Not when we were smelling all fresh and clean and new, but while we were still sinners. Ephesians tells us that we were by nature children of wrath, that we were obedient to our bodies and obedient to just the flesh and following this course of the world. And it says at that moment, before we were wonderful, Christ died for us. Titus chapter three, verse five tells us he saved us. Not because of anything great in us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. Romans already told us he died for us before we could do any of that. He did it because of who he is, according to his own mercy. That Jesus looks down at us and he loves us. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the ultimate price right there. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God looks at us and we are image bearers of God. And so there's something in us that God chooses to love. And he said, I'm going to give my son for that. I mean, think about your value. How much somebody's willing to pay for that. I mean, we look at people and we like to define them based on their worst traits. I mean, it's like, oh man, that guy, he's just so annoying. That person, he will lie to your face. That person, do you know what he did in his past? And we cannot get out of our own past, but yet God looks at us and he says, I see value because of my love for you. So I'm gonna give the ultimate price. That Jesus found this treasure, sold all that he had, gave his life so that he could buy you back from the pits of hell. You back from the slavery of sin. You back from the slavery of your own flesh. And so he sees value. You know what your value is. Because it's based on what somebody will give. And Jesus said, I'm going to give it all. So that's the first interpretation. That one was new to me. The second, second interpretation is the one that I was always more familiar with. And the second, second interpretation is that we, mankind, are the man who finds the treasure because Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who goes out and he's in a field and he finds a treasure. And upon finding it, he covers it up, goes away in all his joy, sells all that he has, comes back and buys the treasure. And so the second is we are the man and Jesus or eternal life is the treasure that we sacrifice everything for. That when we truly understand the first point, that Jesus, which is true, gave everything he has so that we can be in right relationship with him, that when we see the value of eternity, the value of relationship with Jesus, we'll give everything. That when we see this is who Christ is, this is God's love, for me, that he gave his only son, that he is giving me an eternity, that I am a new creation, according to 2 Corinthians, that everything that I have received, knowing everything I was, that I will sacrifice it all for Jesus, that I will give everything to seek after him. Now, in 21st century America, this kind of seems countercultural, though. Because 21st century America is saying, hey, you know, go ahead and love Jesus. Go ahead and worship him. Don't get crazy about it, though. Don't, don't fast and give up the luxuries of this world. I mean, like if somebody came to you today and they had like this 
super successful business. And they said, you know what? I'm giving it all away. And I'm going to go to the North Sentinelese people, which are an unreached people group. The last person that went there died. And they said, I'm going to give it all away. And I'm going to go try and share the gospel with these people. What would your response be? Would we be like, man, praise God, I'm praying for you. Go and fulfill the Great Commission. Or would it be like, dude, that's a little crazy. You got some comforts right now. You're living the luxury life. Like, you know, like, man, what, what could you do here with all of that? That we're like, a common thing is don't get crazy about it. But yet this person is like, I see that what I have is not worth this world. But going and sharing with these people is totally worth losing my life that I am willing to sacrifice. So often, non-believers and even cultural Christians are going to be like, hey man, go ahead and have Jesus, but have the fun things of this world as well. Party it up. Live the life to the fullest. And yet, what Jesus tells us is that the quote-unquote fun, the things this world seems to tell us are fun, those things lead to death. But yet, relationship with Christ and living according to His word and His commands, that is where we find true joy and we find eternal life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John tells us, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, the fun things of this world, that's not from the Father, but that's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And then Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says that the thief is going to come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to try and tell you these things are what you really want. They're what's really going to bring satisfaction to you. Just go ahead, take another hit, take another drink, sleep around a little bit more, seek after more money, and that's going to bring you ultimate satisfaction. But all it's doing is it's stealing, it's killing, and it's destroying. And Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have life abundantly. The longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 119, dedicated to finding joy in the law and statutes and commands and precepts of God. He's saying, man, I've lived according to your promises. I've lived according to what you say, and I love it. It brings me life. It brings me satisfaction. It brings me purpose, identity, value. It brings me joy. And so what we see is we see the value of this world and that it does not even compare to the value of the relationship and eternity with Jesus Christ. Paul says it in Romans chapter 8 verse 18. He says, "For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed." 2 Corinthians 4:17, "The light and momentary afflictions which Right at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying that, man, I am afflicted. I am suffering. I'm, I'm to the point where it's like, God, just please take my life. I hate life itself. And yet then he's able to pen these words where he says this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That it's not even worth it. It'd be like me having a Lamborghini 
and you giving me a dollar. And it's like that trade-off where it's like, man, my sufferings are like the dollar. But yet, the eternal glory that I'm going to receive, it doesn't even compare. Maybe that's a really bad analogy. I just thought of it. But it's just like still, God is saying, I'm worth the sacrifice. I'm worth you, like Wayne was saying, giving me your everything. Living every moment of your life for me. That's what Jesus emphasizes throughout his, his ministry on earth. Devotion, sacrificing for him. He even says at one point, I think it's in Luke, where he says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must hate his father and mother, his, his sons, his daughters, his wife, even his own life. He's saying that in comparison to all of that, I am not even comparable. I am far greater than all of those things. He's looking for us to live our lives for him. The Pharisees, they were good about just giving him the lip service, but not actually living their lives for him. And yet Jesus says, I want you to live for me in everything. Brendan Manning, I think that's who it was, said, practice the presence of God. He was, uh, if I'm thinking of the right name, he was a Franciscan monk who waited tables and washed dishes. And he said, even while I'm just washing dis dishes, I'm practicing the presence of God. He is here with me now, and I'm going to live for him even in this moment. Even as I go and deliver food, I'm practicing the presence of God. He sacrificed his life, giving every moment to God. You know, it's kind of odd that many Christians think they shouldn't have to sacrifice anything for their faith. I want to come to Jesus, but I don't want to give up anything in this world. And yet Jesus, the analogy that he gives us is one of dying. It's painful. But he says, when you die to yourself, you can be raised to life in Christ. And you are a new creation, and he will give you so much more than you ever could have imagined. Because the truth is, Jesus is worth the sacrifice. The question is, are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to put that value on Jesus and say, you're worth it all? So again, going all the way back to the beginning, we said that value is determined based on what you're willing to give for it. So what value are you placing on your faith? When you look at the way that you spend your money, the way that you spend your time, the way that your thoughts go, the, the efforts that you put forth, are you saying all of this is being done for the kingdom? Are you making sacrifices? And I, I'm not going to tell you what those sacrifices are, but if it's sin, it should probably be sacrificed. God's word says that. But then there's other, other sacrifices that you're just willing to give up and be like, you know what, God, I don't want this right now. I want more of you. And so we're going to make some cuts to our life because we're just a little too busy so that we can spend more time with you and in your word. Or when I mention that, are you like, oh, man, but uh, we got to do this activity. We got to be there. We have to pay for that. We have to this. Well, then you're not valuing Christ above those things. 
Now, if Christ is calling you to do something, that's where you determine it's not based on what I tell you, you should cut out Netflix. But if God is telling you cut something out and you're like, uh, nah. And, and a, a quick way to figure this out is what's that one thing where if God would say, get rid of this, you're like, uh-uh, I can't do that. Is it a fancy phone, fancy car, fancy house, luxury foods of eating out at McDonald's every day, whatever it is that God says, I, I need you to cut back here and draw near to me in this time. And you're like, I can't. Well, then you saying I can't says, God, I value you, but I value you. I value this just a little bit more. And that's an idol. And God says, you shall have no gods before me. And so I want, I want you to wrestle with that question. Kurt's going to come up and he's going to lead us in this last song. And those are the questions that I want you to think about. God, what is it? And maybe you are like, man, I'm sacrificing everything for God. He says it, I'm doing it. Praise God for that. And then sing this song and just praise him for who he is. But maybe there's that thing. That you're like, God, I, I felt for a while that you've been telling me I need to cut back on this. I need to cut this out. And Jesus actually says that it's like cutting off an arm. That it might feel that painful, gouging out an eye. But seeking after him without that is going to be far greater. Now, newsflash, it's not going to be your children. I can tell you that much. Or your spouse. But the things of this world that you are supposed to give up so that you can sell it all and go and find the true treasure that comes only from Christ. So as we sing, I want you to wrestle with those questions. I want to close with 1 John chapter 1 again, where John says, If we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive, our, deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. This is a time to confess, to go before God and say, God, I have made an idol out of this. Help me break it down so that I can live for you. And God, that be my prayer right now that as we get ready to sing this song, we wrestle with those questions. We wrestle with the things that we are putting above you. And God, may we just be honest about it. And then help us, give us the strength to break down those idols so that we can elevate you to the true Lord of our life. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, amen.